Music like that just builds the soul. It just fills your soul with love for the Lord. He is good. And there's so many, the contemporary music scene, it's all about making us feel good. The amount of doctrine, uh, the amount, that you, the amount of, of information you can learn about the Lord, the truth about God in music is unbelievable. And that's why I love our music. Thankful for uh, all those that participate in it. Uh, special this morning, I started getting texts uh, during the message this morning uh, about people that were watching online that were so blessed by the, the special. Uh, and so anyway, just to, it's encouraging uh, to see that uh, what we are doing isn't just right between these walls. Uh, God is working in people's lives. Uh, just around around the world and across the block and uh, down the street. Thankful for that. All right, we're continuing our Bible study on the home. They call it home. And so tonight is the 12th uh, message in this series. It will be the, uh, in that series, I had a three-part message on the perfect marriage. Perfect marriage. And we spent the first uh, week saying that there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Just get that out of your head. It's not a reality. Uh, it, a marriage is a relationship with two individuals becoming one. Uh, the twain became one flesh. Uh, but there are still two, two minds. You know, they say that anything with two heads is a monster. All right, uh, and so with that, uh, it, it's, a, it's a job to bring the two together, and that's what God's uh, design is. So we're going to continue on this, but I know that there is, uh, there's nachos that are waiting for uh, everybody tonight, so I am only going to preach, uh, I, I've only got 12 pages of notes tonight, and so, oh, 11 pages of notes, uh, so uh, we will not make this a four-part series, uh, so I will preach fast, you can listen fast, and then we'll uh, be done. Uh, but let's have a word of prayer as we jump in. Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to be able to learn it, to be edified, uh, to be built up. Thank you for that. And so tonight, I pray that that would be the case. I pray that every home would be strengthened. Those that have been married many years... Uh, to those that just got married, uh, those that uh, are preparing in life, and uh, maybe there is not anybody in their life at this moment, uh, but you are going to bring someone across their path. I pray that this would be some tools in their toolbox uh, that will help them for those days. So bless now. Uh, help us all to be attentive. Help us to grow, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So uh, tonight, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, I, I made some uh, statements last week as we were looking at this, and I want to start with, with something that I had already stated uh, in that, just a practical observation. Number one, if your marriage is going to be what it needs to be, you become what and who you are supposed to be. You have to become who and what you are supposed to be. Uh, we cannot change the other person. And that is something so many times someone will get into a relationship with somebody that they know is not marriage material. 
They are not someone that you would want to marry or that is in a place spiritually that would be, be a good, uh, would be good for you to get married. And we think, well, if I marry them, then I can change them. No, it does not work that way. You can't change them. And God can change anybody. But with that, we have to realize that uh, we have, the only person that we can change is us. We have to be willing in our own life to grow, to mature, to be the person that God wants me to be. Uh, with, with, uh, with just within the home, uh, Deb and I learned very, um, very slowly we learned, not very quickly, very slowly we learned that we're not a good Holy Spirit. You know, we've, we have tried to be the Holy Spirit of God in our kids' life. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I can't be the Holy Spirit in my wife's life. And she tries to be the Holy Spirit in my life. But the reality is, the only person that can change me is me. God can work in my life and bring me to a place of change, uh, but that's, that's, that's something that we have to work on individually. In the marriage relationship, you have to become who you are supposed to be. You become what you are supposed to be, and as you do so, that will bring value to your relationship. That will give you the tools to be able to be the person in that relationship uh, for your spouse. So you cannot change him, you cannot change her, uh, and so we just need to be who we're supposed to be. Uh, wives, uh, in uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, uh, there's all kinds of uh, things, and we looked at this this last week, about things that the wife uh, should have in her life. Then you get to verse number 7, down through verse 11, and it talks about the attributes of the husband, so he could be the person uh, that God wants him to be. But we can only, be, we can only change ourselves. So number one, uh, you, be, you become what and who you are supposed to be. Number two, focus on what your spouse needs. Focus on what your spouse needs, not what you need. If there was ever an unselfish relationship it should be the relationship of husband and wife. Well, you just got quiet. But so often, I'll give 50%, you give 50%. Well, I'm always giving in and she doesn't ever give in. Or reverse, one of the two, I'm not sure which. But what, what is it? It's, Marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. It's a 100-100. It is each side putting 100% into that relationship. If, if we go in as a 50-50, it's a contractual agreement. Marriage is not a contractual agreement. It is a spiritual relationship. Yesterday, 103 degrees, we were standing out in this front lawn uh, for a wedding. Uh, and so uh, we had uh, uh, we had uh, Christiana uh, 
Zach, yeah, there we go. Uh, Christiana and Zach got married yesterday, and that was the shortest wedding I have ever done. Uh, 103 degrees, uh, it was going to be quick. And so I told Zach, I said, I've only got about 45-minute message uh, for the, uh, the uh, wedding, and he just looked at me like, oh, no. <laughs> he was pleased that that was not the case. Uh, so, uh, but, but marriage, it's 100%, 100%. It is not just what we get out of it. Marriage is about what we bring to it. And so uh, we need to focus on what our spouse needs, not what we need. Uh, The care, the compassion, and the communication that is needed for a relationship. All those are needed. We we talk about communication. uh, And... We have, we have joked, and she's not joking, I don't think, uh, but uh, uh, we will, we will uh, talk about having uh, uh, just some uh, teaching on the home, and, uh, and I'll mention communication, and she says, well, who are you going to have teach that? And so, uh, but communication, it is, it's vital in the relationship. We, we have to communicate. Uh, someone once said, if you keep doing Uh, If you keep doing what you did before you got married, in order to get married, you'll never get unmarried. You know, when, before you get married, you can talk forever. Or at least they can. I could listen forever. We couldn't talk forever because my father-in-law would hang the phone up after 10 minutes. (laughs) he's back there smiling. Uh, We try to call him and he's on the phone now for three hours. But, uh, but with that, there, there was communication. Uh, She would, she would write me notes and it wasn't a note. It was a book. It would be like 10, 12 pages long. And I just saw her yesterday at church. And then I'd write her a note. I'm doing fine. How are you? (laughs) Uh, It was just uh, the communication side. But uh, if we communicate, uh, that relationship gets sweeter. And it's so important to keep that uh, open. Uh, How do we communicate? Uh, What do we do to communicate, to get to know someone? Uh, Dates, notes, phone calls, flowers. So... We have this thing, we'll go to Sam's Club or we'll go to Costco. And they have those big flower displays. And so we'll stop in front of these big flower displays and then I'll get loud. Say, now honey, if I was going to buy your flowers, I'm not going to buy any flowers. But if I was, I'd buy you those ones right there. And she'd look at them and go, she, she's got so, so good with it now. She doesn't embarrass it at all. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, those are very pretty flowers. And then we'll just go on. The looks that we get from people. It is so funny. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, just doing things sweet for each other. It's, it, is, it is important. And we've, we have to make sure that we are focusing on what our spouse needs, not just uh, what we need in our life. Uh, thirdly, See how quick I'm going through these points? It's going to change here in a little, a little bit. But number, number three, adjust your needs to your budget. 
There are more fights in a marriage over money than any other thing. What we say we need and what we need are two different things. Hey, pastor, you keep talking about this thing. Yes, adjust your needs to your budget. Say, pastor, when are you going to quit talking about a budget when you get on a budget? And those of you that are on a budget, you wouldn't get off. There is, there is just the blessings that come uh, from that, and that financial, uh, that financial accountability, it's a help. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, your kids don't have to have their own room. Miss Frassy, just the house was torn down not too long ago, but the house she grew up in was a one-room schoolhouse. The rooms were, they had guy wires running through the house and they had blankets over the wire. And that was their room. We have this idea that everybody has to have all this space. You know, you go back into the 50s and the amount of houses that were two bedroom, three bedroom, 900 square feet, and whole families were raised. And not only did they survive, it was during the greatest generation. So, so with, with, our, with our needs, so many times we put pressure on ourselves that does not need to be there. So uh, just just guard uh, guard our heart, guard our needs, adjust your needs uh, to uh, your budget. Uh, so many so many extra stresses uh, that are there. A prosperity mentality will ruin a marriage. Prosperity mentality will ruin a marriage. Now you have mama working and daddy working and the kids being raised by uh, somebody. A TV, video game, and they, the home is broken down, relationships break down. Uh, don't allow prosperity uh, to be uh, a focus. First Timothy chapter 6. Go there real quickly. I'm watching that clock. First Timothy chapter 6, and look at verse number 5. First Timothy 6 and verse number 5. Bible says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
And so just the problems that we bring into our life when we allow uh, things and material uh, objects, materialism, uh, it's uh, covetousness, uh, allowing that to be a focus. It, it will destroy a home. It will destroy a marriage. Matthew 6, 31, the Lord said, uh, take, therefore take no thought saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or uh, wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So our needs, what we think we need and what we really need, uh, we have to put them into context of what God uh, has said. And so uh, just to uh, make sure that we are guarding uh, our, our, our needs and allow our budget to guide that. Uh, so marriage uh, is, is a, uh, a relationship, and that relationship needs to be an open relationship. Uh, when it comes to uh, finances, so many times I've, I've heard of couples where uh, the husband controls all the money. Men, you are not doing your wife a favor by controlling the money. You're not protecting her. It'd probably be better to give it to her. In many cases, some cases that's not the, tr- the truth. But, but the reality is, that's, that marriage, it should be an open marriage. It should be open as in there's that communication. We're not, we're not hiding things uh, financially. Uh, and the, the, tr- the reality is usually the ladies outlive the men. And if she doesn't know what's going on with the resources and the finances, you have not helped her, you have hurt her. And I have, I have sat in the office with ladies who, when their husband died, they had absolutely no idea where they were at financially. And that was, that was, that was not a loving move or a wise move on the part of the husband. And so uh, we need to talk about, talk about finances, not argue about finances, uh, but talk about them. You need to be on the same page. And mama needs to know what's going on uh, with that. Uh, so uh, secrets in marriage always end in de- disaster. And so there are financial needs that are there and there are financial pressures uh, that are there. Uh, but don't, don't hide them, discuss them. Let, uh, let them know what is going on and they should have uh, some input uh, with that. Uh, especially if the wife is working. Well, it didn't matter whether she's working or not. She's working. Uh, but uh, I have I just seen that there's sometimes where there are people that just want to control everything. And that's just an unhealthy uh, relationship there. Number four uh, in marriage, keep your physical relationship proper. Keep your physical relationship proper. Now, I know kids are in here tonight. I'm going to be appropriate. But God has, God has a plan. And with that plan, he knows what will help a marriage succeed. And he gives instruction concerning that in the Bible. So go to 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
And I don't know why some things seem to be taboo to talk about. Uh, money is one of them. Uh, and the marriage relationship is another. But it's Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come, to a, uh, come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Now, we open up in chapter 7, verse 1, talking about men touching women, and he's talking about unmarried uh, men and women. And so here he says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That word touch is the word to light a fire. So we are talking about a sensual relationship. We are talking about a, a sensual touch. And he said, uh, for it is good for a man, unmarried man, uh, to touch an unmarried woman. And we're, we're, we're talking about people that are not married together. All right? If you are married, you have one person. That's your spouse. All right? Uh, no other uh, that, uh, is, that is ungodly. And so here we have uh, this relationship, and God says if you, are, uh, if you are unmarried, there is not to be a relationship physically, uh, a physical relationship, a sensual relationship between the unmarried is called fornication. And that's that Bible term that we had there. So he said, concerning the things wherever you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So here there is a relationship, the relationship of marriage is the relationship that will remove uh, the bounds that would uh, divide and cause it not to be immoral. So within marriage now, that relationship is not a sinful relationship. Outside marriage, that relationship is immoral. It is, it is not acceptable to God. Uh, so then you go to verse number three, and we go from the unmarried now to the married. And he says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the, the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Now notice here this next statement, defraud ye not one another. Defraud ye not one another. Now the word defraud means to keep back something that belongs to somebody else. The relationship of intimacy in marriage, if we are defrauding our spouse, we are holding back that intimacy, God says that's defrauding them. That's a criminal offense. 
Don't get quiet. So, so with that then, that relationship, you say, well, pastor, what does that matter? Go to, go to the last verse there. Verse number five, defraud ye not one the other, except it be for consent, with consent, for a time that you may give yourselves unto fasting and prayer. So a time of fasting and prayer would be a time where you, you may say, okay, during this time, uh, we are not going to have intimacy. But outside that, he goes on and he says that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. The, the marriage relationship is a safety net for immorality. Now, you say, well, my spouse, there, there isn't intimacy with my spouse, so does that mean that I can go somewhere else? No. It does not justify other wrong behavior, but within the, the marriage, God said that that relationship will protect both from this, uh, this uh, temptation of Satan. So fornication is immoral activity of unmarried people. Uh, defrauding is keeping back that which belongs to someone else. And so we, and as married individuals, our body does not belong to us. Our body belongs to our spouse. And that relationship of marriage is a relationship that is God-ordained. He, he opened up uh, the first marriage and he said, be fruitful and multiply. So there was an intent in that intimacy. And so the marital relationship uh, with uh, within the bonds of marriage, it needs to be uh, appropriate. And that relationship uh, needs to be there for one another. And the frequency of it is based on your spouse. But, but you two need to be uh, communicating and there needs to be uh, an agreement. There needs to be uh, an understanding that, that, that the body is for the other. Uh, and so it goes both ways. So to keep your body from your husband or wife is defrauding them. And so marriage in the marital relationship is a protection against uh, immorality. Uh, so the word uh, render there is to yield, to give, to perform. Uh, he said, render unto uh, your spouse, your wife. Uh, and it says, do benevolence. Now the word do benevolence, uh, that uh, term there, it's a disposition to good. Uh, and it's all in context of the marital relationship or the marriage bed. Uh, and there is kindness, there is love, there is a desire within that to pro promote happiness. And that's what that do benevolence uh, means. So it's an act of love, affection, uh, but it's also an act of justice. So there isn't that defrauding. So uh, here uh, we see that he also, uh, there, is, there is that duty within the marriage relationship for the spouse. But sometimes because we live in a perverted world, we get an idea that it is dirty. And it is not. And it should not become that way. 
The perversion of the world does not need to be brought into the marriage relationship. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So uh, the, the marriage relationship is a holy relationship, but it needs to stay uh, clean. It needs to stay uh, honorable uh, in that. And so uh, it should not uh, become a, uh, a dirty thing. Uh, with that, the, the watching of, uh, of dirty movies, filth that is brought in. Uh, we just need to make sure that we are not allowing the world to, to uh, uh, influence uh, there. So 1 Corinthians 7, 2, he said, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Uh, so in Ephesians 5, he said, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so uh, we see some things here that are just uh, helpful within the home. Uh, and, and we know that, that there are things that the husband needs and that the wife needs. There are those physical needs, but there's not only the physical needs, there's also the needs of the soul. Uh, the the uh, soul needs. So the ladies, uh, ladies need love and ladies need security. That's something that, that they need. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, go there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Go ahead and go there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. There we go. Everybody's still uh, a little blind struck or something because I was talking about intimacy, physical relationship. All right, so we'll just get that off of the screen so we can move on. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, in verse number 29, uh, the Bible said that, uh, that no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. All right? So uh, that word nourisheth, uh, it literally means to meet the physical needs. 
So uh, with that, uh, the men, they, they are to meet the physical needs. Now, uh, with that, that's clothing, shelter, food. Uh, the, the Greek word ektrepho, it is to cherish, to train. Literally, it's to bring up to maturity. It's the same word that is used in train up a child. Uh, though that is, it's the, it's the uh, uh, Greek uh, transposition of that, uh, of the Old Testament, train up a child in the way he should go. And so uh, that same, uh, same term is used there uh, to bring up. Uh, so the nourishing would be the meeting of the needs, the cherishing, well, so you had the meeting of the physical needs, the cherishing is the meeting of the emotional needs. Uh, the uh, word in Greek, the Greek is to foster. As a hen would gather the chicks, uh, that is the connotation that uh, that meeting uh, those needs, protection, warmth, care. And, and the wife, uh, husband, she wants to have to feel your love. Uh, she needs your warmth, warmth your care, your protection uh, as that vessel. So the cherishing would be that meeting the emotional needs, the communication, uh, that uh, exchange of words, thoughts, opinions, uh, and the, the uh, uh, relationship there, uh, the, the, uh, the talking, the communicating, and then the connection. And so the ladies, they need to be uh, wanted uh, based on being. The men need to be needed based on doing. And so uh, each person uh, has different needs. So uh, there is the need for the men. Uh, uh, The lady uh, has that need for love and security. The man has a need uh, for respect, uh, that reverence that's there. Ephesians 5.33, the Bible says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particularly so love his wife, even as himself, and, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So that word reverence and respect, uh, they're a synonymous word there. Uh, and, and so uh, not forgetting the context of the, of the passage, it isn't just dealing with the marriage relationship. Uh, the marriage relationship is the symbol of the, the relationship that Christ as the groom has with the bride, which is the church. So you have the groom and the bride, the church and Christ, and then you have the, the marriage relationship, and the love that is in that relationship is supposed to be a picture, uh, a, a sweet picture uh, of the same love that Christ has for the church. So the Bible tells us that the he- husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So, so with that, uh, it is that respect and the honor that the wife would have for the husband is supposed to be a symbol of that respect and honor that the church would have for Christ. Then it gets into, as Sarah called Abraham Lord. What was it? It was just referencing uh, that, uh, that love, that honor, that respect that was there. So that same, uh, same honor, re- reverence that the church would have for Christ, the groom, the bride is to have for their, 
her, her husband. Now, it doesn't stop there, though. Uh, there, there is also that love that the husband is supposed to have. In Ephesians 5, 25, he said, husbands, love your wives. How? To what extent? Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What was that? That was an absolute, complete, uh, selfless, and sacrificial love. They say, well, I'll love her that way when she respects me that way. It's not that 50-50. Whether or not your spouse is who they are supposed to be, you are still supposed to be who God has told you to be. Whether your spouse is deserving of that uh, reverence as we would look at, God says that you are to show that reverence, that respect. Whether your wife is lovable or not, you are to love her unconditionally. So husbands, love your wives even as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, so we, we see this. Now, uh, in a book uh, that I use oftentimes when I counsel, uh, it's a book but that uh, is entitled Love and Respect. Uh, and in that book, I found an acronym, a couple acronyms uh, that, I, that I think are helpful. So how to spell love to your wife. All right, so guys, uh, this one is for you. How to spell love to your wife. The word of this acronym is couple, couple, C-O-U-P-L-E. It will not be on the screen, okay, couple. Uh, so, so with that, that C is closeness. She wants you to be close. Closeness. The O would be openness. She wants you to be vulnerable, to be open to her. You know, she doesn't always want that bravado. She wants you to be open. She wants to know not just what you think. She wants to know what you feel. Now, guys, that's awkward, isn't it? And you ladies, it's like, that's not awkward at all. Because a lady can be in a room with another lady that she has never met and feel completely open enough to share everything that's going on in her life and how she feels. And a guy, he doesn't even know how he feels, let alone being able to express it. But she wants you to be open enough to where you would share with her that relate your your thoughts that that openness she wants you to open up to her and that takes vulnerability uh and let me let me say this wife if your husband opens up to you and is vulnerable to you don't share it don't share it you want to shut him down that will do it if he feels like he can share and then you share He's done. He will not open up. So make sure that you are a good steward of that, that information. Uh, so closeness, openness, the you, understanding. She, she wants you to understand. She doesn't want you to fix her. She wants you to listen to her. 
He just wants you to understand, to listen. And as she's talking, you're already thinking of solutions. We'll do this and do this and this, and this won't even be a problem. Done. Let's move on. That's not what she wants. She wants you to give her attention and listen to her. I tell the story how, how Rachel, when she was little, she, well, she still does it. It wasn't just when she was little. Uh, she just jabbered all the time. I mean, she just, she talked and did not stop. Arabella, where's she at? Uh, right there. She is her mother's daughter. And so, uh, but uh, uh, anyway, Rachel would, would be there and I'd, I'd sit down in my chair and I'd be getting work done and she'd be talking. She'd come over to me and she'd start talking and I'm getting something done and she's talking and uh-huh, uh-huh, and I'm keeping on going. And, and all of a sudden I'd have two little hands grab me on the side of the face and pull me, uh, look right in her eyes and she'd say, Daddy, I'm talking to you. There have been a few times where she was about in that same spot. (laughs) I'm talking to you. Uh, Your wife, she wants you to understand. Uh, Just listen. Uh, P, peacemaking. Peacemaking. She wants you to say sorry. She doesn't want to be the only one that says I'm sorry. She wants you to say I'm sorry. How about you be the peacemaker in your home? And that little two-word phrase shouldn't be too, too hard. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Guys, let's practice, practice that, right? You ready? I'm sorry. I was wrong. There's only about three of you there on that one. All right? You, you other ones, let's join in. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Not too hard. You know what that will do for your marriage? It will help it. It will diffuse so many problems. Because if you don't recognize that you were wrong, and I'm not just saying sorry. Recognizing that you were wrong and expressing that, it will, it will help her get past whatever the problem was. You know, ladies, they have an amazing memory. They don't forget anything. You know what, Deb? She, she can remember everything that ever happened even when we were dating. That was 36 years ago. Her memory is so good, she, st- she remembers things that never even happened. <laughs> but I'm sorry, and I was wrong. It will help so much. So peacemaking, uh, letter L, loyalty. Loyalty. She needs to know that you are committed. You're not going anywhere. There shouldn't be an uncertainty of loyalty in, the, in marriage. You should be there. And your spouse should know that you're going to be there. That loyalty, it needs to be just as solid. That commitment needs to be solid. Uh, So loyalty. uh, And she needs to know that you're committed. Uh, Letter E, lastly, esteem. She wants you to honor and to cherish her. She wants to be valued by you. 
She doesn't need that value from everybody else, but she needs it from you. And she shouldn't have to ask for it. You should look for ways to show her that you cherish her. Look for ways to show that you highly esteem her, uh, you honor and cherish her. So uh, that, that word couple, uh, men, is how you spell love to your wife. And then, uh, ladies, I'm not, uh, you're not out of it. Uh, how to spell respect for your hus- husband. Uh, the word uh, that was given was chairs, C-H-A-I-R-S, chairs. Uh, the, first, the first letter, conquest. Appreciate his desire to work and to achieve. Don't, don't minimize his work. As, as he has worked, he, men get identity from what they do. And so with that, as a spouse, your husband, he wants you to respect, respect him. Uh, and, and with that, uh, how will he know that you're respecting him? You're, you're recognizing what he is doing, the work that he does, and his desire to achieve. Uh, so conquest is that first word. Hierarchy is the second word, C-H, hierarchy. Uh, appreciate his desire to protect and provide. Appreciate his desire to protect and provide. Now, we live in a world today where that's going away. Parents, make sure that we're teaching our kids to work. We got, we got to teach our kids to work. Uh, make sure our boys, uh, they, they should be workers. Our girls need to be workers. Uh, but but uh, with that, we need to be training them. Uh, but hierarchy, that appreciate the desire to protect and provide. Uh, authority, appreciate his desire to serve and to lead. That, that helps him to become the person. You say, well, my husband isn't a leader. Make him one. Make him one. Uh, the story goes that uh, Barbara Bush, it was a Barbara and George Bush, uh, and they were driving through uh, with a presidential motorcade and they stopped at a gas station and when they stopped, uh, the, the man that was working at the uh, gas station was someone that Barbara Bush had dated in college. And so uh, anyway, they motorcade, they uh, greeted one another, they got back in the motorcade, they uh, took off, and, and George Bush looked over at her and he said, well, aren't you glad you married me instead of him? Uh, you married the president. Uh, and she looked at him, she said, if I would have married him, he would have been the president. <laughs> now, ladies, you have a great ability to make your husband into who God designed him to be. You have an ability to encourage the strengths that he has that he would never even realize he had. You could encourage him to to go farther than he would ever have gone on his own. So, you help him be who he needs to be. So appreciate that. Uh, so the authority, appreciate his desire to serve and to lead. Uh, letter I, insight. Appreciate his desire to a- analyze and counsel. Now, 
when you're telling him a problem and he's analyzing the problem and giving you solutions, you might not like it at that moment, but appreciate that he can. If he is a problem solver, you're blessed. So, so encourage that. Uh, it, it is a helpful, uh, it's helpful. Uh, so insight, uh, relationship, chairs, C-H-A-I-R, uh, relationship. Appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. Do things with your husband. This is, these last 13 years, in ministry, I've been in ministry 30 years. This is the first time that I've not had to work a second or third job. So how did you and Mrs. Brown spend time together? She worked with me. We had a septic business. We, would, we had a portable restroom business. Everything revolved around sewage. And we had a tanker truck, and we'd have to go up uh, to Renton to drop uh, at the go to the waste treatment plant. And so we would have dump dates. And she'd ride in that truck just to spend some hours with me. My kids would do the same thing. We'd spend time together, and it was work, but they were there together. Uh, husbands and wives spend time together. Take vacations together. I'm not saying you can't do things individually, but work at doing things together. Don't look for ways to do things uh, separate. Uh, you need to have that, that shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. And then, uh, so relationship, and the last one there, sexuality. Uh, appreciate his desire for intimacy. That, that is not to be rejected. And with that, it is, it is a part of the marriage relationship that, that is an important part of the marriage relationship. Finances and intimacy, those are the two major causes for fights. So remove the fight. Remove that obstacle. That relationship, isn't it amazing? People that aren't married want to be intimate. And you get married and you don't. We went completely quiet again. You know what the devil will do? He will try to create desire somewhere else. And God says, let me protect that marriage. And he gave you a relationship to do so. So protect it. So those are uh, some things there, those two words. Uh, how to spell love to your wife is couple. How to spell respect to your husband uh, was chairs. And uh, so these things, I just pray that it'll be a help to us. Marriage, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. But there are blessings that that relationship can have. And it can be a wonderful relationship. But it takes a lifetime of, of learning each other. And then as we grow, we mature. Uh, age happens and just... There is, there is a constant change uh, in who we are. 
And so uh, just learning one another and that marriage relationship can be a sweet one. I want our marriages uh, that within our, our church family, those relationships need to be relationships uh, that would be uh, God-honoring, uh, but they also need to be a place where there is fulfillment, uh, there is joy, there are blessings that are there. Uh, don't, don't allow your marriage to be fractured. And so taking some of the things that we've discussed over the last few weeks uh, will help our homes. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for uh, the blessing that you give to us. Thank you for the instruction from your word. And help us to take that, uh, that instruction and apply it in our life. Help our homes to be what you'd want them to be. And so bless our families. Uh, meet needs, please. Speak to hearts. Uh, give us what we need as we serve you. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As the Lord spoke to your heart tonight, you respond. Perfect marriage.